0: Hello everyone, Sloan here with the kind of conversation you're not going to hear anywhere else. Our guest in this episode is Sandy Rich, the Executive Director of the New York City Board of Education Retirement System, which is affectionately known by those in the new as BIRS. Longtime listeners know that I've been less than charitable to the New York City pension system on this podcast, so we started by giving him a chance to clear the air. We then stepped back a bit to learn more about the organization the steps Sandy and his team have taken towards achieving operational alpha, and why there is no substitute for a solid asset liability management study. That conversation starts about 17 minutes into this episode. But don't skip the banter. That would be weird. Ashby and I talk about how the latest advancements in AI-generated art may shape our social imagination, in addition to the future of the free money podcast merch Store. And then we finished out the podcast by talking about the hard things in our lives, taking questions from listeners, and, as always, giving you an honest-to-God gardening tip. If you'd like to ask a question in an upcoming episode, please write to us. The email is freemoneypod at gmail.com. And if if you wouldn't like to ask a question, but you're feeling friendly, fun, and charitable, go ahead and leave us a review in your podcast store of choice. It helps other people find the show and is a nice way to manifest some positive vibes. And before I kick things over to everyone's favorite disclosure pirate, this episode of the Free Money Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Cordetius, who are experienced doulas to investment offices navigating digital transformation. Cordetius focuses on your data, so you can focus on alpha. For more info, visit CordetiusLSE.com. And with that, take it away,
1: Sharkbait. Ahoy, Free Money Podcast listeners. I'm Sharkbait Buckley. The Disclosure Pirate, and I'm here to set ye straight about what's going on with this here show. Sloan Ortel works for Invest Vegan LLC, a New York-registered investment advisor. Ashby Monk works for Stanford University, Adapar, Future Proof, Long Game, and various startups. All opinions expressed by either Sloan or Ashby are entirely their owns, and do nay reflect the opinions of their crew or any company. Clients who invest vegan may maintain positions in securities and strategies discussed in this podcast. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where invest vegan and its representatives are properly licensed or exempted and a client agreement has been executed. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money.
0: Welcome to the Free Money Podcast, where we routinely struggle not to use all of our best jokes on each other before we start r- recording we the show. We <laughs> do.
1: We were cracking each other up, and I was like, let's start this thing. We're going to run I really out. I know. Jokes are know. a finite okay. resource. I don't have they that are. many. I,
0: well, I have, a, I have a lot today because I have been playing around with these new AI image generation tools. I'm sure that you've played with these.
1: Is this the Doll E?
0: Um, so I've been using mid journey, but basically oh. same deal okay, um, and can you know, anybody
1: so access it, the mid journey?
0: yeah, 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 yeah. At this oh. point, you can basically sign up um you know, there's also stable diffusion, which if you have a python environment on your desktop, you can just run its open source. This is you know, a great tip, like, yeah, <laughs> it'll like do this stuff for you. it is i you know i would i would say it's kind of like learning to play a new instrument um and the wow. obvious application for me you know, of this all is like, let's make some brand assets for the free money podcast for sure. Uh, Right. You know, so I was like, okay, so how do I like, you know, convey the fullness of what it is that we do? Yeah. You know? And so I'm like, all right, like, so show me, um, you know, a lock that is opening up and, you know, emitting a torrent of, of liberated enlightened oh. cash into uh, a, a better world or whatever. <laughs> and you know, it, and it, 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 it's sort of like typing that into Google.
1: Right. You, you get some <laughs> very random outcomes.
0: Some of it's really cool. Um, but it's like, I, you know, it, it really, I, I think is a unique opportunity to reckon with an alien consciousness because you just type, you type stuff, you have a concept in your head as you type it, and then the AI spits back its concept of what you said. Um
1: I gotta go play with and, that. I'd love to see how it thinks yeah. about long-termism and long-term investing and things like that.
0: Oh man. Yeah, you know, it's it's really funny. Like the stuff that is it's really like Mid Journey in particular is really good at is like anything with a an aspect of ethereality. Yeah. You know, so you know, if you're to sort of think about you know either like kind of those you know 5 cent paperback fantasy novel illustrations um you know where you have like a sweet babe who's like in you know metal armor holding a sword or whatever on top of a throne um yeah. like it can do that all day long um it's you know i and you know obviously like the you know what we got to do is render us as like that type of character and like make a make a whole brand around that using the ai but i think that tech is a little bit far off
1: i can picture us with swords taking on you know on horseback uh taking on the the bad guys of wall street you know yeah we can yeah, put like we I, can I, put that, some uh, that, visualization behind a, that logic
0: that's a good image yeah i think this will be this would be a nice uh you know the hunt for a new logo
1: yes <laughs> Well, before Uh, we get into the news, it is, and I have to, I'm just like, I feel the stress leaving my body as I say these words. It is a long weekend coming up.
0: Oh, baby, 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 baby. I actually have tomorrow off
1: and Monday off and I'm going to go to the beach and we've got a little, we've got a little opportunity. I'm going to do some boarding of the boogie variety, not the coolest of the Uh, boards, (laughs) <laughs> okay we're all being nobody looks cool walking down to the beach with the boogie board under the arm not but
0: you get to get wrecked again and again by the exactly. waves. like that's the most fun part of the beach
1: it's the it's the best so we've got a few boogie boards yep i'm i'm really excited do you have any plans for the weekend
0: uh yeah i am going up to the catskills to oh, hang sweet. out we're gonna you know we got some vegan grilling cheese which is you know a new concept for me um, but you know, my partner and I are just gonna, we're just gonna hang out. Um, and maybe look at some stars, smell some trees. Um, I should add that we're taping this before Labor Day weekend, and it'll probably be released after day, Labor Day weekend.
1: Yeah, I know. I always wonder if we about. should, if we should orient <laughs> people to the actual dates. You know, like I if mean, we should I just, just like... talk generically about about life. But no, it's freaking well, like what day before Labor Day weekend.
0: What, yeah, well, like one of the good hacks about like our timely news is that so many of our stories are so slow, so slow moving that like literally, if you went back and like you know listened to the news from like a year and a half ago, you'd be like, oh wow, okay, that's like pretty um, pretty interesting.
1: It's true. You know? Speaking of the news, I have three news, items. News, news, news. The magic number. Um, we might need a news jingle. I feel like a news jingle. You know, like yeah. bum, bump, 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 bump. You know who has the, the best jingles is the bbc i can remember oh, living in europe yeah, and yeah, hearing yeah, like yeah. as the bbc was changing programs it's like this real groovy like digitized uh you know just you wanted to hang out it kept you watching you didn't even care uh, anywho first bit of news coming to us from israel the israel citizens fund which may still hold the uh, mantle as the youngest sovereign wealth fund on the planet maybe Whoa. well it was established in 2014 so maybe Mm. you'd call that its birthday but it got going in june of this year um and it got going with about 200 250 million bucks but the news is that it just doubled in size um, at the end of August, it's up to 500 million um, assets under management just over the summer. This fund is growing like hotcakes. Is that something yeah, that what grows? Are they doing with all that money? I don't know if hotcakes grow. But anyway, what grows? What's the analogy? I think you, uh,
0: like a plant of some kind?
1: Uh. <laughs> like an Australian tree. That's mm-hmm, some gardening mm-hmm. knowledge there for you. Those Australian trees grow way too fast. Just look it up. Um <laughs> anyway so they they've got significant inflows just as a reminder it's called the citizens fund but it's a natural gas fund and huh. so it must have something to do with the price of natural gas in the world which i didn't look up
0: mm, that makes a lot of sense yeah this price of natural gas is rather on an upswing recently Rather.
1: <laughs> beautiful very good so second bit of news coming a little closer to home and positive related to sustainability is from CalSTRS. Uh, Calster's okay, announced okay. that they are shifting 20% of their public equities book representing just a little bit of 27 billion um, into a low carbon passive index. Uh, specifically, I, I think it. it's the MSCI ACWI low carbon. Um, so the, Crabby skeptics out there will note that that means 80% of the public equity portfolio is in non-low carbon. But I'm not crabby or a skeptic. I'm very positive on the move. I think you've got to start somewhere. These crabby skeptics are. Um, but good for them. You know the, In a moment where you'll see in the next news item, there's a lot of pushback on uh, plans from integrating their ESG into their decision-making. Kalsters is continuing to move forward on the sustainability agenda, which to me seems very sensible. This is a de-risking element to this passive portfolio, and why not get hydrocarbons, you know, minimized?
0: Yeah, and well, and it's also I think sensible not to just jump in with both feet if you if you're a pool of that size. I mean, you know, shout out to free money alumnus, uh, you know, Christy Jenkinson is over there doing stuff. I think she probably uh, had a
1: had a hand in this. My guess in,
0: in doing something related to ESG, I would be shocked to hear that. Yep, uh, <laughs> yep, but yeah, like that. I, I mean, you know, a lot of these companies are not the most liquid necessarily, or you know, or, or I, I think that there's it makes sense to kind of you know put in 27 billion at a time instead of putting in the whole, yeah, their uh... they're
1: dollar cost averaging, uh, 27 billion into the sustainability, yeah, that's a lot, but you know, when you think Do- about. The other plans out there, 20%, you know, if, if everybody did 20%, it would be a huge signal to the market that pensions were pricing this risk more aggressively. And we would see companies shift. It would be like this monumental thing where capital gets allocated differently and managers respond and then companies respond. So maybe this will have a bigger impact.
0: I mean, I I do think that it's already having a bigger impact in the sense of like, you know, it's there are a lot of company of fund managers spinning up like, you know, thematic, quote, unquote, investment strategies that are designed to to
1: focus. That's true. That That Um, is actually a good point. And you can't underestimate how big of a role model these Calsters, CalPERS, big pension plans are for the others, because even if you think they're bureaucratic or whatever you think. Um, they definitely are abiding by fiduciary standards. And so yep. there's a lot of people, and, and people forget that in CalPERS, there was that election for pres- for one of the board members, special election, where it was about a rejecting ESG. So it's not like we're mm-hmm. sitting here in California and it's like the ultimate hippie pension plans. These are very sophisticated fiduciary bound organizations. And so if Calsters is able to get out there and do 20%, so can you. And, and that's a great, that's a great point, you know, and then all of a sudden the entire industry has got 20% and maybe we're saved as a planet.
0: That's actually, I think there's like a, a pretty interesting, uh, like paper in there, right? You can use like Calster's like governance, uh, you know, uh, things as almost like an index, yeah <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, if you're an institution, it's like, no matter how bad, no matter how much stuff you have to deal with, it's not as bad as the California plans, uh, <laughs> I often, and if they can do it. <laughs> yeah.
1: When I'm not recording my words to be preserved for all time and easily accessed, um, I often talk about how challenging that governance environment is. <laughs> it's not the most uh, laudatory is the way yeah, I don't I'm not praising the organization for its easy governance. Um and so if they I, can yeah, do I, it, I, you I can do I, it.
0: I react to alumni of their very similarly to the way that I react to like people who've been uh, in the Peace Corps or something like, you know, working, you know, yeah, cleaning up beaches. Or no, outdoors, it's certainly it,
1: like that. It has been service. I think a lot of us are <laughs> starting to fight to get them more money to make it, you know, a really attractive environment for people to want to go work at. Um, not just to build experience and serve your state, but also maybe to get paid, you know, it's yeah. like, we can't ask people to do service forever. People don't stay in the Peace Corps forever. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. All right. But you like it. It's good. Anyway. Last bit of news.
1: We got we got to tick off uh, the other the other big bit of news ESG related is the other side of that coin we were just talking about with the positive outcome being Calster's deploying into sustainability. Texas, the head of ESG has resigned. I don't know why Sloan. Any idea why the head of ESG would resign from Texas teachers?
0: I mean, like, I feel like, you know, probably it's because they're, you know, afraid of really taking a stand, like dressing up in a suit of armor and just like going to town in the office uh, for what they stand for, you know? Uh,
1: I That's that's one for our art program, AI, AI art <laughs> program, you know, show me a head of ESG wearing armor in the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so for those that didn't catch our last episode i think i actually talked about this on the last episode i think you did, um, I think you Te- did. texas has has created a, their own version of woke is basically instead of you know going left they go as far right as they can the politicians are wading in and saying who um is investable so they are yep. defining what the pension plan is allowed to invest on based on politics It just so happens these politics um, are defining a bunch of asset managers as, you know, too left leaning and pushing back on ESG and pushing the organization to continue investing in fossil fuels. And so I just thought it was interesting to see the head of ESG quit after five years.
0: would you want to be involved with that? I mean, let someone else <laughs> deal with that situation. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because you know.
1: Texas Teachers is one of the most sophisticated professional investment organizations. And so I yeah. think probably even the right leaning folks inside that organization are frustrated with the politicization. That's my guess. I haven't talked to anybody. I, I would,
0: yeah, I would just imagine so. I mean, like if you think about being an investor, right, the last thing you want. like you've done all this stuff you had, you know, hopefully you have some resources. Um, You know, the last thing you want is an uninformed bystander drawing the lines about acceptability.
1: Yeah. And telling you You what to divest and what to do. I mean, this is the same thing. The same CIOs have been pushing back on the left for a very long time to say, don't tell us what to do. And then people like me are like trying to make the case for these CIOs to include all of the sustainability issues, ESG issues, but from a value and financial performance perspective over a long duration. Yeah, that's a hard thing to do, though, right? You you really need to build out sophisticated ESG toolkit. You need all these different things. And so you need to invest in the integration of ESG. And unfortunately, in this moment, big chunk of the country is saying, we don't even want to invest in it. We want to get rid of it. So
0: fortunately, we have an allocator on the line who's holy from cow. New York, the opposite of texas uh and
1: california in its own way and
0: cal and ca- eh, yeah yeah sure i've got uh you know, i mean that's sandy why rich we're now,
1: here together yeah. bay area yeah. bay bridge consensus oh, there he is
2: sandy. look at this guy <laughs> how you doing sloan doing pretty good and professor ashby it's good good to see, to you,
1: see again. you sandy rich wonderful to have you on the program welcome to the free money free- podcast are you gonna free some free- money for <laughs> us today
2: <laughs> not my money
1: <laughs> oh no are you bound by some of these fiduciary standards we
2: were just talking about yeah i've got a few of those things <laughs> me. yes
0: well yeah you know i mean like i think maybe a place to start is you know i i think you know we we got lunch the other day and you were pretty quick to point out that we haven't been the nicest to oh. the new york city pension system
2: <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i, I yeah uh, yeah i i was catching up on all your old uh podcasts and uh you weren't very nice to New York City, <laughs> <The> <laughs> were we? Not... systems, were, but but I would add, I'm not saying you were wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there there is a there is a distinction between being nice and being incorrect. True. <laughs> and, uh, I think in that we, case we have our we have our we might have
1: been pointing out the number of board members and the amount of board meetings that go on, and pointing towards the established research that shows. A board meeting every month to fifty trustees is a lot. But anyway, that might be a little bit of <laughs> hyperbole. can't remember if that's exactly how many there are. But anyway, oh.
2: <laughs> it's, uh, you're underestimating, actually. oh no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, not yeah, best like,
0: practice governance my no. my coworkers are literal cats, and I'm willing to wager that our meetings go uh, a little bit more <laughs> orderly than than some of those do. I you know, but I, I'm curious, like, you know, maybe to orient our listeners, um, Like, can you like kind of give us a sense of like, you know, who your beneficiaries are, what BRRS is, how it fits into the broader New York City system and indeed what the broader New York City system is? Sure.
2: Sure. So uh, New York City is constituted by five independent systems, police, which was the first one created about 120 years ago, fire, teachers retirement service uh, system, New York City employee retirement system, and then board of ed retirement system. That's ours. BURS Board of Ed Retirement System. We were a hundred years old, uh, last August. Wow. Um, we are the smallest of the five. We constitute about eight and a half billion of the 250 billion. Well, maybe a little less today. Um, we are, uh, we are all, our members are all the non-pedagogue employees of the Department of Education in New York City. And, um, we do. We have some unique features that are related to our creation. We were actually created under state education laws, so we're actually slightly different than the other four systems in that they are city agencies. We're not a city agency legally, okay. although we do act like
1: one. Hundred years—that's a long time. Was it always a, a pre-funded defined benefit plan, or, or has it? Sh- sh- I know that this is off script a little bit, but I'm just curious. What was the ori- original? asset base made up of?
2: Yeah, it was always a defined benefit plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was always well, I don't know this specifically, but as far back as I can tell, it was always governed with the requirement that any actuarially determined contribution uh, calculated by the Independent Office of the Actuary in New York, and that office is independent, must be funded under the New York City budget. Gotcha. So Apart from um, the oddities of the member back and forths, like disability claims and retirement flows and things like that, uh, the funds coming from the city are consistent and they are required. And last year they were about 11% of the city budget, about, uh, I would say, $10.5 billion of a $98 billion budget and a little bit less than 11% this coming okay. year. And, and that's for all of the pensions, right? Not just that's for all the pension pensions. systems. Ours is a small component. We get, we, I think we got $230 million in contributions from the city last fiscal year and about $60 million in contributions from members who, as of tier six, have to contribute between three and 6% of their income to uh, the system.
1: And where are you sitting right now like are you in New York City right now or are you do you guys well, sit outside of the city? I'm actually
2: standing <laughs> I thought you standing, were but, yeah. <laughs> but, but I am I am at 55 Water Street
1: oh yeah. okay right there okay perfect
2: yeah yeah it's uh we have we have great new offices we moved uh actually we were supposed to move on March 2020 so oh was, that was uh, good timing yeah, it was yeah.
1: yeah. Well, so. tough. I think we all moved March 2020, but but back into our basement. <laughs> Not necessarily where we
2: expected to land, though. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, look,
1: I want to. I, I part of the reason I want to understand where you're sitting is, um, you you guys have been focused on operational alpha, and I think some of the things we've connected over the the years is on technology and process and and a bunch of different research projects that we're doing at Stanford. And related to the digitization of investment management. And so I'd just love to hear from you if you're experiencing any kind of upticks, what we might describe as operational alpha from those investments. And and how do you know?
2: Yeah, so what I would, I would characterize our efforts uh, as having been driven by what we perceive to be uh, shortcomings of- Sure the governance and execution in New York City's retirement systems, writ large. Um, and um, we, we attack this, we're attacking this on many levels because we have installed a new operations uh, ERP system, we are installing new fiscal accounting, uh, record keeping and reporting, uh, we have new, and where the most significant transitions are actually in our investment um, office which we stood up in 2018. Um, We created an investment strategy office in the Board of Ed retirement system that to a certain extent duplicates some of the things that the Office of New York City Controller and the Bureau of Asset Management provides to us. Uh, But in our view, we are far more efficient administratively and far more technologized. To use a term I have I've read about in a book that I uh, <laughs> have used and uh, shared with others. Um, we, you know, we and we and we did this with the help of one of your sponsors. Um, uh, Ken Akundi was our consultant mm. for Cadetus. Um He spent a lot of time with us and my director of investment strategy, Antonio Rodriguez. Uh, we've built a team uh, around the systems and. What I think I can tell you definitively is we understand much better what we own. Uh we under we we have that information faster. Mm. Uh we can process new investments more efficiently and at speed compared to New York City. I mean New York City could take 3 years between a resolution or a recommendation from the city to make an investment. And the final close of that investment, which if you're, I mean, I was a investment banker and portfolio manager. That concept alone is chilling. Yeah. yeah. Um, Except for the fact that sometimes not being efficient is good when you're not particularly brilliant.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I can remember Norway coming through the financial crisis, taking way too long to rebalance to 60% equities, from 60% bonds and then buying in at the bottom (laughs) of the market. And and everybody's like, whoa, what did you guys do? And it was like, we're dysfunctional,
2: (laughs) but in a lucky way. (laughs) Yeah. If you understand your weaknesses and you can hopefully make them work for you. So, you know, we, we think of ourselves as a perpetuity and we try not to make any rash moves, Right. Mostly because we can't.
1: But it's fun to hear you talk about the trade-off between technology and governance, because we've, we we ha- in some of the research we do at Stanford, we have three levers that pension funds can pull on to improve their outcomes. One is governance, one is culture, and one is technology. And we've spent a lot of time trying to solve the governance and the culture piece without really thinking as much about the technology. But in hearing you talk, it's almost like you've picked up on that and you're pulling hard on the technology lever, which in my experience will actually yep. help you improve the governance and the culture over time. Cause you've got better data.
2: That may be optimistic on the governance <laughs> side, on the culture <laughs> side, I can tell you, it definitely helps a lot. We have far better relationships with our trustees. They understand more what we do, what we recommend, uh, why we recommend it. And in terms of culture, we, you know, we, we have a problem hiring people. I mean, it's very difficult. You've talked about it on the podcast, right? You know, we don't. We operate within the uh, system of employment in New York City, so you know, I, I can't. I can't hire uh, really highly experienced people who actually have proven they can do what they say they can do. I hire a couple of key individuals who I can pay better, and then I backfill with young people. Yeah. And we view ourselves as kind of a an engine of training for young people to work for us for two or three years, get a reputation, and move on into the investment industry. And we've already lost two of our, you know, uh, hires over the last four years into really excellent career positions elsewhere, either at New York Common or into a uh, venture capital fund. So we kind of view it as it, it's a weakness. Yeah. But you know play around the weakness and get whatever leverage you can from it. And, uh, you know, so we have a team of seven in investment strategy and they're all, almost all of them are very young and uh, That's awesome. learning aggressively and technology dramatically supports that by relieving them of a lot of administrative burden.
0: That, that that makes so much sense. And, you you know, as like, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, the, the flow through on the cultural side, of focusing on, you know, kind of your organization's innate qualities like this, right? Because, you know, uh, like, one of the things that really, you know, stands out to me um, is that, you know, from looking at, you know, the way that y'all have operated and the constraints that y'all operate under, some of the things that look really sexy to other allocators, like, don't really get you that excited, right? I think that there's a, a cultural tradition of like, really fighting hard to get, you know, space into like some hot allocator or whatever. Um, You know, it, let's say hypothetically you were able to like allocate into the fabled like Renaissance medallion fund or something like that. How exciting would that be relative to like a really good asset liability model for you?
2: It doesn't move the needle enough Mm. for us. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the problem, right? So we're, we're $8.4 billion. If we make a $50 million allocation to uh, Sequoia mm. or you, you name it, brilliant money manager, they could burn the money or <laughs> triple it, and it really doesn't move the needle, yep. um, which is sad to say, right? I mean, that's, then what are we doing? But um, you're, you're pointing to the asset liability studies. That's you know, one, of the, one of the disturbing things I found, and, and I, was at, I was at the PBGC for a number of years, and before that, a uh, uh, PM. Right. And managing money for insurance companies, as well as pension systems. And when I got here and I asked, oh, so let me see the asset liability study. Let me see. Let me see the cash flows. Let me see the And and crickets. It it was like really disturbing. Really? And so we did it. We cooperated with our actuary uh, Department of Actuaries and our uh, generalist consultant, Siegel Marco. And we did the first asset liability study of our system or any system in New York City. And one of the fascinating things we found was that okay, we're going to see declining cash contributions. We went upside down two years ago. We're going to stay upside down and, and cash flow is going to get tight by 2029, 2031. And contributions from the city may go to zero. Now, anyone making a commitment today to say the long-term strategy of one of the largest PE managers in New York City that we have a long-term relationship with, that's a commitment of almost 20 years of funding and we might have, we might have to sell assets in 2032 to make our funding commitments, yeah. right? And so that has, you have to be thinking about that and then layer over some of the other complications because, and we can talk about this later, but you know, you talked about CalPERS using leverage, <laughs> nothing, nothing. We are 28% leveraged. Wow. At the portfolio level, or you, this is big at the portfolio wow. level, and you know this is a long conversation, yeah. so we, we may have to talk about <laughs> it out, some other time. But yes, we are <clears> twenty-eight <throat> percent leveraged, and that it takes a little bit of detailed reading in our annual report, which I'd be happy to send to you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we 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 are leveraged. Yeah, you know, so so this is interesting, right? At the end of fiscal year. 21, June 30, 21, we were 120% funded. Mm. The end of this past year, 6, 30, 22, 100% funded. How do you go from 120% funded to 100% funded? You're leveraged yeah. into a bad year.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'll still take 100% funded, just to be clear. That's pretty much... Yeah. Yes, that's good. <laughs> Perfect. We're very proud of that. <laughs> but so you're ta- what you're proud. talking about really leads us to this concept of smoothing so we're seeing a lot of people in this downturn think hard about private markets and how they can leverage private equity to smooth the volatility in markets but you're starting to raise issues looking out at 2029 2030 of smoothing cash flows and facilitating this like more holistic approach to building the portfolio maybe you could just talk a little bit about the cash flow side of things that you're doing um, around smoothly.
2: Right. Well, so the way we look at it, there are, there are sources of limitations, right? Or sources of, of of risk, right? Among the, you know, you got you got your equity allocations and we're about 70-30 when you look at our portfolio in a, on our macro basis. So we're leaning hard into equities because we're long-term investors. We have the liabilities, which are growing at about, you know, six and a half percent a year approximately if you depending on what you think about employment in the city and we're assuming an asset growth of 7% right but buried behind all those is another limiter which is what how is the cash flowing right what flows are coming in from PE investments we've made from previous allocations what uh cash is coming in from some of our other foreign allocations what is the the breakup of international versus domestic, which I think I've asked a question about this, which hopefully you will answer for us in the future. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then it's the cash flows, right? You know, because you you don't want to be stuck in five or six years because you make very long term commitments on some of these investments. You don't want to be stuck in the future having to sell down in a market environment you can't predict. Totally. Right. So you should be you should be guiding your future. I would argue more on those cash flows than anything else. If that is the limiting factor. I mean, for us, it is because being 100% funded. Yeah. uh, Being a perpetuity that we can lean into equities hard. I would argue cash flow is the ultimate limiter. I agree. You know, and we don't have. I mean, I know you have governance issues, but the, the, the trick to New York City is there's a legislate a legislator sometime in the vast history requires the actuary to be independent. Calculation to be governed and the contribution to be made. So we're our, we don't have the problem of, say, you know, Illinois, New Jersey, where there's a budget decision made after the actuarial calculation. They say, yeah, we know you, we know you need 10 billion, but you know, we're going to give you five. Yeah. So
0: I have a, I feel like we, I feel like we in the investment community should identify that legislator and crowdfund a statute of them <laughs> in. Front of the in front of like you know the, the the mayor's office or something like that.
2: Yeah, or or just edify the uh, chief actuary of New York City because they have they have <laughs> <some> authority.
1: <laughs> I love the idea of crowdfunding statues of people without their permission. I think that's kind of an interesting concept. <laughs> um, what I was going to say the ca- the focus on cash. I actually uh, I've been playing around with this in the last couple of weeks. I think um, it, you could create a heuristic. Uh, for sophistication based on how an organization manages their cash. And I was playing around with my colleague, Dane Rook, where we were trying to think through, is there like a ratio of like percentage of assets in alternative assets to percentage of cash? You know, so, so if I've got 20% 20% of my portfolio in alternative assets but I'm only sitting on 1% cash. I've got a my ratio is 20 of this sophistication. That means I have very smart cash flow models in order to have confidence to do that 20%. Whereas if I've got 20% and then I'm holding 8% in cash, you know, I, that I'm doing that because I don't have faith in the models i 'm putting forward and the way that you 're describing i know I know this is a random topic, but but I do think your point of cash is the ultimate focus and and it 's shocking to me we don 't have more tools we don 't have more you know talking about this issue
2: yeah and uh, and it 's not only just cash on your balance sheet it's it's forecasted cash yeah, which, which is really the unfunded commitments I mean, look, and... I, yeah so i was a I was a, a junk bond banker uh. And you know, the the best the best analysis being done is the F P and A guy for the uh the acquirer or the uh the fund that's making the acquisition and a good FP and A guy is doing every you know, doing a weekly thirteen week uh, you know, cash position role, updating their model every Monday. Yeah. I mean that's the, and and you know we will we don't have to worry about that because we're never going to run out of cash, right. right? because we're funded by the taxpayers. But it's just an indicator that understanding the flows is important to any organization for sure, right? And you got to watch them you got to watch them
0: well, and it's also like you know I, I think important for you know some of our our listeners are folks who are you know outside the industry and may not necessarily understand like how much of the the context you're operating within was like purely inherited, right like I, I I very much doubt that you like showed up on your first day of the job. I was like, you know what guys, 28% leverage, let's do it. It's going to be great. Uh, no. <laughs>
2: no, that wasn't my choice. Sloan.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, or, or, or like, you know, any of these other things, but you know, within, within that context, you know, there is this one thing that you can model, which is when the cash comes in and out, which is great. Um, yep. You know, very vibesy. I, I, you know, I, you mentioned you've been listening to uh A bunch of free money podcast episodes god bless you um
1: you're the one (laughs) you're the one wow are any of them
0: like good or any of these podcast episodes is there there, are ones that you would like recommend other people check out so
2: so very early when i discovered this i i listened to the ben man uh podcast first and uh i gotta tell you a brilliant man oh yeah need to price in carbon it's the way to do it it's the way you know to to paraphrase him you know if we could Price in pollution and solve that problem. Why can't we price in carbon and solve that problem? Capitalism, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so I love Ben, and but that triggered me to go back and started listening. And uh, I have to tell you, my favorite episode is misogyny and maple syrup. Um, <laughs> y- Deep y- cut. You were a little bit cruel Uh-oh. to a money manager who sends me mailings once a week. Uh oh. <laughs> As a solicitation, I, I, <laughs> see, I, see, I see, got um, but I shared that podcast with my trustees and um, a group of a, a group of friends of mine that I that uh, risk my risk genius buddies. Mm. And uh, you know, I'm trying to proselytize. I'm trying to Thank get you. your uh, trying to get your story out. I think and, that and, I and liked, we,
1: was that the one we had the I stabilization, the, the maple too. syrup stabilization fund in Quebec or something. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's yeah. like the greatest yeah. sovereign fund of all time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Very good, very good. I, My heart is in Vermont, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah but say Voss of was sweet. very good. I, I reached out to uh, Jason Voss after that. Oh, yeah. Brilliant episode and Practical Implications of Net Zero Pledge from Christy Jenkinson. Mm. Another great podcast. And and I would have to say that, um, you know, uh, the comments you had, uh, Ashby, on Lori Chase Davis. I never met her, mm. but, you know, bringing comedy to pensions is a, good
1: advice. Yeah, she's good outstanding.
2: Advice. And then then I would make one other comment. Okay. One other comment. We like, crit- right? like constructive
1: do... criticism especially when it's not criticism. It's positive. <laughs>
2: you have you, you, actually mentioned Opus Day twice. Heavily, right? Oh the chains, <laughs> oh the twice. chains and, self-flagellation. And I think you missed you missed an opportunity to talk about that the key piece of equipment they use the Salif Mm-hmm. That's the leg. That's track. it. So and I, uh, it was like the Cilice. I just was. Thank I just you. Watched the Da Vinci Code a few to yeah, me too many times. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, we'll get that into our Efanon,
2: uh There you go. <laughs> yeah,
1: the the uh, of Efanon. Um
0: so, so, like, you know, if anyone else is out there, you know, besides obviously checking out the, you know, the podcast episodes that you talked about, um, they're like, wow, this whole like cash flow thing and like thinking about who I am and doing something about it thing sounds pretty cool um, you know, as someone who's been through this journey, you know, kind of dealt with the, the practicalities of it, what would you say to somebody in that position who's thinking about, you know, kind of following the same sort of operational alpha path that you've followed in your organization?
2: Well, it's, it's about, uh, what, what you should focus on. And and I, you know, look, I, I was a, Professional money manager. I probably wasn't worth the fee I was paid as an active manager of junk bonds. Um, I think you know we outperformed because the indexes were so poor back then. Uh, And I can tell you that the people who manage junk bonds for us can't beat their index. The only reason that they're still hired is that ETFs are approximately the same price. So, so, so I, I think it's you know boil down what you need to do to a strategic. Foundation, right? Uh, active manager, you better freaking be worth what we're paying you. Otherwise, we're going to replace you with the index that replicates you. And uh, we'll be doing more of that this year. First, you know, we've been doing a lot of it for the last three years. We're going to do more. Um, minimize expenses, and then have a much longer horizon view of this. You know, you know, we're you know, you're not you're not bond or equity traders. You are long-term asset allocators that if you, if you work for a public system, you should consider as a perpetuity. And um, I would, I would add finally that, you know, your job is to not only protect the members, but protect the taxpayers because the members are guaranteed their benefit and the taxpayers will pick up the bill if you screw it Mm. up. So, you know, it's, I I think that points you towards more macro understanding of the impacts in your portfolio, long term equity returns, long term bond returns, long term alternative returns, uh, where the leverage is, you know, for us, it's both in our alternative uh, basket and, you know, just the macroeconomic of how we're structured, because we do have 28% leverage. And, uh, you know, where the cash flows are coming from, and how to manage towards them. I, you know, and I would say it's a lot, it should be a lot simpler than most mm-hmm. people make it. I mean, I, you know. I I am kind of dumbfounded often by some of the articles I read about our business. You know, just, they don't always make a lot of sense.
0: I have no idea what you're talking about. You're not taking a
2: pot (laughs) shot, are you? No, I'm joking. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you're advocating uh, good things, Generally speaking, I would argue. Well,
0: Well, no, but yeah, there there definitely are others who advocate other things.
1: Yeah. (laughs) No, but yes. Sandy, so first off, and I mean this sincerely without comedy, I, thank you for your service. Like, you, you know, you reminding us all that um, you used to be a high yield credit manager. Um, I don't think we call them junk bonds anymore. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, they, we've gentrified yeah, I junk, junk bonds. bonds <laughs> <so>. We <laughs> call them junk
1: bonds. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, now you have bringing this amazing skill set um, into the public pension plan world. And, and, you know, I wrote a paper in 2012 where we talked about the green, the gray and the grounded about the types of people who want to work at pension plans. And, and we touched on this when you first came on where you're talking about most of our people are young. And in our experience, we saw young people that want to go and build, you know, a track record of, of excellence, um, grounded people who are from a location. Like if you're from Alaska, maybe you want to go work in Juneau. And gray, which is, which is a proxy for um, later in career. Um, yes. <laughs> you may not be gray, say but.
2: Oh, I am. Uh, that's why I shaved it off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um,
1: uh, but, but the whole point of the cray is people who have, have had a career and want to give back and serve the community. And that's what you're doing. And so, uh, you know, just sincerely thank you for doing that and, and helping to be a role model to other plants.
2: Uh, I was embarrassed into it, by my family who has a large military component. Oh, that's great! <laughs> and so
1: we'll do we'll we'll pull yeah, every lever yeah. we can. We'll play to the patriotism yeah. to get smart people in pension plans. <laughs> you know,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. We'll get a parade yeah. for pension fund CIOs going. That that's our next project. The free money oh, parade. The ticker tape parade. <laughs>
0: Once we get the crowdfunding mechanisms like spun up, we are unstoppable. You know, canning of heroes parade. I think for, we uh, could do <laughs> a
1: Sandy Rich statue.
2: No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sandy. Thank you so much All for right. coming on the thank Free you Money so
1: Podcast. Check yeah, to you soon. fun. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. He's outstanding. Wow,
0: uh, I mean.
1: You know, you we, we might have to it? go easier on those New York plans now. You know what I mean?
0: Well, I, I feel like we, we do always try to balance, like, you know, kind of a informed understanding of what constrains the organization. Yeah. With, like, you know, empathy and um, activism and advocacy for the people who are actually in the roles trying to drive change. Yeah. Um, you know, but... Uh, We also make a lot of dick and fart jokes, so... Uh, it happens. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, like, I, I feel like the, you know, that's an interesting example of, you know, somebody who controls a massive chunk of equity mm-hmm. who, when you ask him what matters in his life, would answer stuff that a lot of people on the street would have absolutely no idea about um, and how they play into the day-to-day decision.
1: Yeah, I mean, well... The ca- I mean, it's so funny to me how little attention we actually pay as an industry to cash. And we use diversification yeah. as a means of managing cash. Whereas, actually, really smart modeling at the level of cash flow in and cash flow out, all of which we can define pretty tightly for a pension fund. Like, we, we can mm-hmm. predict with pretty confident bounds based on final salary, years of service, inflation rates, like what we're going to owe people. And so we should be able to, you know, build a bottom-up model that allows some chief investment officer a top-down view of the cash that you're holding and the cash you need to, you know, spend and the cash that needs to go to a private equity manager from your unfunded commitments. And it should all be about cash because eventually we got to take these investments and turn them into cash and give them to somebody. And so It's,
0: it's really... I mean, it, it's, it always is that way. It's that way on the, on the, you know, if you're trying to understand a company just on the operating level, you follow the freaking cash. Yeah. Like you, you, re- you tie the cash flow statement to the other stuff and then you go, oh, wow, that's so cool. Like, I wonder what these accounting treatments are all about. But like, that's how you pull on the string that, that unfurls the whole thing yeah. and shows you what's going on. And then you um, look at these like,
1: companies and you're like, well, what, what's the operating lever? It's like all about metrics of how well they use their cash. And we Cash conversion rate. Yeah. And so we kind of <laughs> need that in pension funds. Like how, how effective are you at using your cash? Because cash is that free option. When the markets drop, you can invest it. When, you know, all this stuff. So anyway, that was really fun. We, I, the, I was sitting there thinking we need to do another round of allocators like Sandy on yes. the show. Yes. Be, because yeah, the yeah, insights, yeah, yeah. like I love all of our guests the same. We have, it's like <laughs> all of our children, we love them the same. Um, but it is fun to get back to my roots a little bit and, and like, Oh, same. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like, I, yeah, I think that like the, there's something that there's a a coherence that you get from sitting in the operator role and like actually trying to integrate all this crap. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, like that when we, you know, like we talked to Dimitri last or two episodes ago and Mary an episode ago about like, you know, really, really interesting things that they know just a lot about. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and it's so cool to go deep on that stuff, but then to have the opportunity to actually fit it into like a broader picture, uh, and see all of the, get a glimpse of how all of those things work in motion is just a, a very cool
1: thing. Yeah. it's outstanding.
0: Uh, yeah. We're gonna have to establish minimum allocator representation quota. I think we gotta, uh, we gotta uh, get our, a quota. I think it's time. In our free money bylaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's, it's time for hard. things oh. actually. Time for it. Yeah,
2: what's been hard for
1: you, my That was my – I know you don't have sound effects, so I do sound effects. Sound,
0: sound, <laughs> sound effects remain hard yes. for everyone here. Yes, okay.
1: So <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm watching you to be like, are you going to do a sound effect? And so I just did it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, Hard things. Hard things. This, this is legit. I, I feel like I keep getting the question from people. Um, hey, how do you keep your wife happy with, with all the like stuff that you're doing? <laughs> and I was like, should I talk about the fact that I keep getting that question? Um, and I think it reflects on the fact that like I go to Australia and I'm gone and like my wife is also building a company, a data company. So she's not chilling um, and we don't have help with the kiddos. And so we're, there's a juggling fest. We're we're in a constant juggle. And um, I was really thinking hard about like, because I feel like we do have a strong relationship. I, I joke that like, um you know we're hanging by a thread is just like that thick floss that's like kind of <laughs> hard to break um, uh, that's my joke but but the reality is i think what like i i try not to keep her happy i try to make sure she's not angry and uh, and like uh, i think she, honestly if like that that is like a maybe that's a depressing comment a little bit but but i think that's a, like a pretty fair way to describe like the hard thing about being an entrepreneur is you end up in this mm. phase where you're like most cherished relationship, you start thinking, like, how do I keep my wife not angry at me? Um, I mean, I joke about <laughs> being in the doghouse a lot yeah. and that I've got, you know, carpet and Wi-Fi in the doghouse at this point. But <laughs> um
0: But I think you're like sitting there on your little tablet doing like, (laughs) but as a
1: practical thing, what I, what I do, because I am trying to keep my wife, not angry at me is I set little reminders to just go and do chores around the house. Like it'll go like Mm. bing, bing, bing. And I'll be like, Oh, just go put a load of laundry in. It'll go bing, bing, bing. I'll be like, go look in the dishwasher and see if there's things I need to be doing. Uh, You know, go clean up something, go check on the kid's homework. I have all these little reminders, um, which emerged out of. Trying to make sure my wife wasn't mad at me, but now have a, they've evolved into just best practice, you know?
0: Operational alpha baby. Yeah, baby. and I
1: almost see my wife smiling from time to time now. It's like by not making her angry as like the low bar, maybe I've made her happy. That's a That's well, you, I don't want to go that I mean, far. Yeah, we'd have to ask her. I
0: mean, like my like my my mental model for like all you know romantic relationships is like you grow together, you grow apart, right? Um, and like the, the, like, to me, it's most important to have like a trajectory of growth that kind of aligns, yeah you know, but like, it's like in living with a partner and starting a company over the last year, uh, I've been like, wow, holy crap. There is like OPSEC here that (laughs) I just don't have any, like there's, there, there are not that many like frameworks around it. And like, if you Google like, okay, how to manage stress as a founder or whatever, you're like, you get these people who are who took like 100 million dollars down from anderson horowitz they were like yeah well i simply hire a nanny to take care of to make sure the other nanny is like up to date on all the protocols shouldn't you You just be
1: leaning in further isn't
0: that the answer (laughs) sorry you know (laughs) besides like i mean you know like facebook is like literally responsible for genocide but i think that (laughs) lean in uh (laughs) is like like a comparable level of toxic in in terms of what um, it to our conception of, of, you know, like a, yeah. a reasonable workplace, you know, and like, I don't, we don't have kids, you know, yeah. we only have old cats who <laughs> like, basically need about 15 minutes of care a day. <laughs> uh,
1: but it's hard. I know. mean, my wife is two years in to her f- f- startup journey, um, schoolytics.com, feel free to check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out, shout, shout out, out, shout out. Uh, this is the Related Parties podcast. And, uh, but it is like, part of it has been awesome because the two of us can share the pain. And, and like, I find us sitting around chatting about like, it is almost like we were both rowers at Princeton. So she was a coxswain on the women's team. And I was, and we would talk about rowing constantly in the early days. And now we talk about the pain of building companies. It's like, it's like we're competing again, you know? And so actually that, that's a cool thing. I mean, I, we joke about how hard startups are, but if you can be on the journey with somebody, even if you're not in the same yeah. startup, yeah. Um. It's been really fun to go on that journey with her. Anywho,
0: that's really what's funny. hard. What's
1: hard for you? I mean, we just. I just took us down a rabbit hole there. Anything hard?
0: Um. You know, like I. Yeah. I will say, like the. You know. I. I think that what's been really hard for me recently is like um, balancing my excitement with my. You know, human need to sleep and eat and uh, see friends and go outside. Yes. Um. Like I. Uh, I literally just got my landing page for invest vegan to convert yeah. really well i saw um, that on
1: the twitter sphere yeah you it, tweeted like, about I, that.
0: And, and yeah i mean and i'm like i'm so good at marketing that like my approach to this is to be like i just tweeted, i just built the most co- good converting landing page ever yeah. check it out on the internet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um With, you know but did like, you even
1: put a link i don't even think you had a link there i did put a link there.
0: i did put a um <laughs> And like, you know, and what an amazing feeling. Like I tweeted this stupid tweet out and then instantly someone signs up for my email list right after that. And I can see that happen, trace it, you know, et cetera. Um, Like, and it's, I I think, you know, underscores to me the depth of what I am unable to know. Um, You know, like I I talk about this with with Claire, my partner a lot, because, you know, like we sort of think about like investing is a very, very strange thing Mm. to be doing. And explaining to somebody who is you know like a software engineer and, and thinks that the world is ordered and logical um you know and like the i you know i, I don't know like to to you know i, I took a trial of a twenty-five thousand dollar a month research service uh over the over the month over you know a couple of weeks in august and like you know started reading all of these like super high-end whatever's Um, and immediately got a sense of the depth of what I am unable to Mm. get access to until I'm able to pay for that stuff.
1: Um,
0: you know, and so like, I, I think that like the, the central philosophical question for me, um, as a human being has been like, how do I deal with, um, you know, things that I cannot possibly know, um, and how do I find a way to make do with old information,
2: um,
0: and in a way that's actually like additive to the strength of a long-term strategy, you know, because like you don't actually need to react to new information all that often That's... if you're good enough at processing old information.
1: It's a profound point that I think you're making, which is like in the journey of building something from scratch, inevitably you begin to realize that you're reaching your, your maximums and it's, yeah, it's okay. I also have had that. Re- I don't want to make this all about me, but I will tell you, I have had this realization through the process of hiring a few people um, at at Atapar, and I won't embarrass them, but they are so much smarter than me in certain domains. <laughs> like like I, I remember my Ph.D. supervisor, um, Gordon Clark, would say, don't don't look to me to solve all the problems in your doctorate. Like the point of the doctorate is you're the smartest person on earth in this domain. And, and I feel like that now as their boss, I have these four direct reports, each of them. And and I'm lucky to be at a company that compensates well. And, you know, it's an exciting place to be maybe more exciting even than Stanford where, where I've had a lot of employees over the years. Um, and I'm like, the process of getting access to this talent is revealing to me, like how amazing talent is to accelerate <laughs> your yep. to accelerate your goals. Like your realization with great research is like my realization with great people. It's like wow. Yep. I, you get the right people in the mix. I've got four of them. Those four are like better than me in areas, and I can then focus on what I want to focus on. Um, and so together, we're just. You know, we're going to achieve our goals. I'm very confident now, and it has nothing to do with me. I mean, maybe I was like good at selling them on the mission, you know. But um, I I see that as very similar to what you just described, um, which is like the limitations of the founder, and the realization yeah. that if you just had resources, you could really do a lot more.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it's and it's like, oh, great, another balancing act. Just what I needed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, guess what it's time for? It's a sound effect. Yes! It's our lone sound effect.
1: (laughs) You know what we could take as a... Well, first of all, listeners, give us five to six stars. If you're on a platform that offers six, do six. If the max is five, do five. Um, And Pay
0: for the podcast premium plan.
1: What if we welcome, uh, if our website's working, what if we welcome people Mm. to suggest jingles? To the different oh. segments because the segments are known at this point we've got the opening we've got the news we've got the guest, we've got the hard things we've got the dear ashby's we already have a jingle we've got the garden mm-hmm. and then we have got the pie which also has its bayi. own mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. that also has a jammy jam at the end um but there's some missing jingles out there listeners
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll set. It. Well, you know what? I I am here. I'll I'll commit at this time that if if you submit a jingle that is used on the show, we will mint you In an NFT. AI created free money NFT. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, what if what uh, if
1: everybody who submits a jingle, uh, we try it out. Like if it's a if, unless it's crude or so you oh, know we oh, won't try oh, that's
0: pretty good do you know what i mean and, and I like
1: then that. like yeah. 22 episodes from now we'll we'll solidify the jingle you know the jingle oh, structure man. of and the then show I,
0: oh, I love this idea i love this idea it's I'm i like to outsource live. work yeah <laughs> yeah, like, yeah we could yeah, spend
1: we're... a lot of time thinking about jingles but instead let's turn to you dear listener do you have a good jingle mm-hmm. that makes us uh, think of gardening yep that
0: makes us think of or anything i mean do you just have like a sweet song that you want to suggest for a certain thing i don't know Mm. uh you want to put on our soundboard let's do it um first dear ashby question of the week let's do Um, it um what's the sickest and by in i believe that this is skateboarder lingo where sick means good
1: i'm from california Um, i can confirm that is mm -hmm. that means good
0: yeah Yeah, yeah, three thousand miles on this side of the country. It's a little hard to see. Mm. Um, What's the sickest financial model that you've ever heard of/slash seen? I'm so excited for your answer to this.
1: I have two, um, because in one part I defined it as an Excel spreadsheet, and then the other I actually just thought of like a model. The Mm -hmm. because there's so much of the stuff we see that is like new and sick is bespoke, and to be tailored like that generally you w- winds up being in a spreadsheet but in 2018 i i saw a cash flow model um that was the most complex thing i had ever seen and this is so funny that we talked about this i literally wrote this down the cash flow model for a pension fund in australia as the sickest model i'd ever seen even before <laughs> the show like People are going to think this was planned. Please, if you're, you know, a new listener, you should know it's not planned. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're not organized,
1: just consistent. I think I've actually mentioned this model on the show a few times as being sick because you could hit in 2019, you would hit F9 and it would take 20 minutes to recalculate. Like that's how much like processing was going into it. It was capturing all the cash flows in and out of the entire organization And so that was sick in the positive way, but it was also partly why we then went and built RCI to capture all that data in software, because we still found errors. You know, it may have been the sickest thing, but like spreadsheets aren't professional grade software. So that was the most complex, wild thing. And it was a cash flow model. So to give Mm. you a sense for like how hard it is, what Sandy's doing. In terms of elegance, Mm. that's my second one. The future-proof model that um, I didn't actually write, but I helped, I helped to start the company that downscales climate models to a specific building location, incorporates building materials from that uh, the construction of that building, and can spit out projections of damages related to climate change to a specific address and a specific building type. I think that is the most elegant thing because it, it's one of the first examples of putting a price A true price, a damage projection on climate change, and Mm. so if you can actually show people what it will cost to hold this building long term, now you don't get to like do the ESG is woke argument. You have to be like, (laughs) oh wait, so insurance companies are going to change my premiums because of this? It's like, yeah, that's coming. That's the coolest shit I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, I just I just saw actually news that an insurer pulled out of Florida.
1: Um, All of them. (laughs) <laughs> they like like all the property and casualty insurers are bailing. It's all going back to what's called the citizens, Florida citizens, Close. where like the state creates the state pooled um, insurance policies so the people can live there. That's how they get insurance. Nobody, no, none of the professional commercial insurers are rushing into Florida right now because of the hurricane risk.
0: Sick. Uh, well, that's not terrifying at all. Um, what? bad pitch do allocators actually go absolutely gaga for
1: great question listener this is my favorite question of the day Mm. most favored nation clauses most favored nation clauses are used by um limited partners to in theory make sure that they are getting the best deal that the manager is providing anybody themselves and so the pension funds often see this as like yes i maximized my negotiation i got the maximum value extracted from this manager and so you will see these mfns floating around quite a bit what people don't realize on the pension side is the consequence of these mfns is they are a floor yeah the managers will never go beneath the mfn because they say things like well if i do this for you i have to do this for everybody and so it becomes this base upon which ratchets go up but not down and oh the by the way oh the by the way is something i say apparently um oh the by the way if you are a trillion dollar fund and you show up at that manager and you say i'm not going to pay this thing this is too high the manager will say "Mm, let's just create a little sma over here let's just Let's just create a slightly different product that we define as, uh, it's USA minus Hawaii. And so now we have (laughs) a new, now we have a new mandate with a new fee structure and we'll give you whatever we want. We just can't invest in Hawaii. It's like, wait, yeah, that happens. That's real. I don't know if yeah. the Hawaii example is real, but that's kind of like the kind of stuff you see as like little carve-outs to create different fee structures. And the MFN is then used to like keep the fees up.
0: That I mean, that, there's like a stereotype about finance as being an industry where people like email PDFs to each other at great cost and complexity. Um, and like, I feel like the MFN, more than any other like a- attribute, um, it's like the asset management side of that on, on the investment banking side, it's like making PowerPoint presentations that no one ever reads or whatever. Yep.
1: Um,
0: but on the investment management side, it's like, where's my fee? Where's my agreement? Uh, <laughs> like, uh, you know, is that what they uh, sound
1: like? Your impressions are astounding.
0: If you're going to send in a sound effect, by the way, and you want to just record yourself making a sound that counts too.
1: Yeah. We'll uh, put that on the show. You could just literally say your name out loud, and we'll be like, (laughs) that would be the greatest segue. Uh, Uh, All
0: right. So here's, this is like a very like, okay, someone had their coffee this morning. Um, What's the practical impact of electricity price spikes? And how do you think the realized volatility in prices paid has changed over the last five to 10 years?
2: This
1: is almost too hard. (laughs) This is almost <laughs> too hard, slowed. I was like, huh? <laughs> All right. Practical impact of price spikes. So look, price of electricity and energy is a function of weather. It is. If you have a yep. cold winter, you'll see prices go up. It is a function of the economy. If everybody is buying the gasoline or seeking to pull the power out of the grid into their hot tub that they just installed uh, and it, it will go up and also supply. And so those are the three variables that everybody needs to think. Anytime you're thinking of the price of any kind of energy, what's the weather, which is like going to have an effect on consumption. What's the economy, which is going to have an effect on consumption. And what's the supply, which I think is going to have an effect on supply. Yep. So now the practical impacts. Well, there's the inflationary effects, there's the personal budget effects. Part of what's been really interesting with the rise and fall of gas prices is everybody has felt that pain to understand that it really does affect personal budgets. You know, you're you were spending X and now you're spending Y. Um, Interestingly, in terms of like the price volatility changing, I think it's been dampened. I think that's a word. That's one
0: of the science words, kind of like, okay, yeah, Yeah.
1: dampener, um, because we do a lot of stabilization as, um, as a society today, either through quite literal stabilization funds, like our maple syrup stabilization fund, which is stabilizing the flow of maple syrup, so that that one variable, the supply variable is consistent, even if you can't contain people's hunger for syrup you can control the supply and so the stabilization fund has been a a kind of bellwether of resource rich economies around the world and have been set up at an increasing pace over the last 15 years so as those prices move wildly in other parts of the world some of the governments are able to manage that price volatility this is a long-winded way of saying i'm not sure a lot of stuff, lot but of stuff I got happening. some feedback, okay? That I'm sharing with you. I don't know exactly what the question was hoping for, but that's my interpretation.
0: I, yeah, I mean, like, I guess, like, they're wondering, like, I, I, I interpreted it to be like, okay, so, um, there's like a median and there's a mode of the energy price, you know, and so presumably, if it's spiking all the time, like, you know, you're gonna have a situation where the mode is is like higher than the median. And so you have this like, you know, kind of weird situation where like the, you know, maybe the, you know, you have this one dramatic thing that happened during a snowstorm and all of a sudden things look a lot worse than they are perhaps, Um, you know, so maybe they were asking about our perception. I don't know. Uh, Yeah.
1: Well, that's a good point. The, The price spikes, I think, do have a political consequence. Yeah, they they are an opportunity to win points. Look at the price of gas, or look at my electricity bill. You know, Uh, these are painful moments for a a politician. That for some reason, people want to live in a free economy with deregulated energy markets, which we did, Uh, and yet we also want our gas prices to stay low, and um, it's kind of hard to do it all.
0: Yeah, I also love that how big babies Americans, Americans are about this. Like our gas prices are like half. Oh my God. I,
1: live, I lived in Europe world. for a decade. Yeah. It's like you understand why they all have tiny little cars over there because yeah. it's like five times expen- as expensive. Maybe not that much, but something like that.
0: Um, What do you got for us in the garden tips department? I got a pretty good one.
1: Um, So if you recall, I am going to the beach. So yeah. I was trying to figure out uh how to keep just a couple of my plants because i got mostly succulents but i have a couple plants that i water almost on the daily and they were they're they're not that healthy right now because i was off in australia and nobody Mm. took care of them Mm. and so i'm nervous about them getting another five days without any water and i was gazoogling what what are some strategies and i got a great tip the bathtub Oh, yeah, You put a little bit you you don't want to scratch up your bathtub. So you put a towel down, but then you fill the bathtub up, you know, two, three inches like like you do with that little dish around your plant, you know, Mm -hmm. and you put your your like thirsty plants in the tub. It's much wider and the water will just get pulled in by the plants as they need it through those little holes in the soil. And so that's what I'm going to do. Now I don't the tip is a kind of pre-tip because I haven't done it yet, but but I think that will be a great way to keep these plants fully um, watered while I'm gone. Yeah,
0: that'll work pretty well if you especially um I mean like um a lot of plants or most plants you know especially if they have good drainage or whatever um through capillary action if you just sort of like bottom water them um where yeah. you put them in a, a big puddle of water. They'll
1: just
2: yeah. like,
0: kind of organically suck up the amount of water that they need to survive. Um,
1: that's this idea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea I just this said. Idea. But Hold you it. said it so much better than me. <laughs> something about I, I, capillaries I to, and organics or something. I don't know. I,
0: I got to. I got to listen to you talk about it and be like, oh, okay, what are the science words <laughs> for that? Um, you know, I, so I, this is kind of like a long-termism tip. I mean, like, I I feel like, you know, every fifth gardening tip, I'm basically like everyone remember if you garden, you're basically a dirt farmer, (laughs) uh, take care of your dirt. (laughs) Um, and yeah, the, and I, I think that one of the things that can be really forbidding is like, what's my time that I can like, you know, start making headway on my gardening project, right? Like a lot of people are just like living in a house. They want to do something in the backyard. You know, they don't know what to do or whatever. Um, now is a time when you can start thinking about planting cover crops uh, for stuff that you want to do things to. It's like the, the right way to do it is going to vary tremendously based on your geography. But like, let's say hypothetically, you wanted to create yeah. a new garden bed. Um, you know, there are a number of plants that you can grow from, you know, sort of s- grow now, start in September, um, that they'll sort of grow up over the, over the winter. They'll keep, you know, m- microbial life in the soil over the winter wow. and serve as a habitat for insects. And then, um, you can literally take your lawnmower over them and they will turn into like future compost for your,
1: your garden friends. Um, no kidding.
0: Yeah. So Do you have an like, example of what,
1: like, what, what seeds should I be buying? What seeds like...
0: should you be buying? Um. Well. So. So. Like. You know. I think. Uh. Peas. Like. Legumes. Okay. Basically. Are. You know. Notorious nitrogen fixers. Lentils. Okay. Um. You know. But clover works really well. The real question is like, what are you trying to accomplish, right? Because like, yeah. for for me up on my roof, I'm mostly worried about protecting the soil. So mm. I want to get like a pretty like you know, kind of bushy and thick thing that can basically freeze over the winter and keep my little earthworm friends alive. Um, you know, but the, it's not rocket science. Um, you can literally Google cover crops and you'll find like, you know, seven different varieties. Um, so I
1: can search it on the internet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, well, and the thing about being a cover crop is like, by definition, a cover crop is something that you grow to plow under and like turn into compost. Right. So it's never a very expensive seed.
1: That is actually a tip in its own, just knowing what a cover crop is. Yeah. It's something yeah. that you eventually will plow to become fertilizer for the thing you're going to grow.
0: Yep. So yep. we got to grow it...
1: something to be able to grow something.
0: Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean like it's the only way that you get around that is by using nitrogen-based fertilizers which come from guess what? Oil uh oh. <laughs> so yep. you know like the the cover crop thing is here to stay it'll be here for a while and boy do you have a great opportunity to to learn about it firsthand if you're trying to do stuff in your garden
1: yeah all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go and get my cover crop organized because this cover is your the time crops of the year.
0: baby yep all right all well, right everyone else bye bye Right, no, no.